0: The oil and gas industry has always been cyclical, but the volatility we have seen in the last years and the pace of change happening around us have resulted in some people questioning the future of our industry. In this new reality, it's easy to forget where we're coming from. In 2015, the average oil price was 55 US dollars per barrel. In 2016, we experienced prices below 30, but ended the year in the 50s. Upstream oil and gas investments have been significantly reduced for two years in a row, and 2017 might be the third. A significant number of jobs within the industry have disappeared, and the industry's profit is sharply reduced, resulting in increasing debt. So new realities and new expectations but also new opportunities. How do all these factors affect the market and the balance between supply and demand? Will we see a new boom in the oil prices, or will we stay low for longer? Today, I'll be talking to our chief economist and head of market analysis and strategy, Erik Varnes, to get an expert view on the oil and gas markets going forward. I am Hans-Jakob Hegge, the chief financial officer in Statoil, and this is the CFO podcast Behind our numbers. Welcome, Eric. Thank you very much, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and good to have you here. It's good to be here. So, the fundamentals of supply and demand, Eric, uh, still work, and our view is that we are heading towards a rebalancing uh, of the market in 2017. We have seen the prices picking up lately following the OPEC production cut. So what could we expect going forward?
1: First, we could expect demand for oil to continue to grow uh, by some 1 to 1.5 million barrels per day per year, driven by population growth and economic growth. That's 1 to 1.5% per year. Secondly, the OPEC agreement, the consequence of the investment cuts that we've seen in industry, combine to reduce supply soon, relatively soon. We do do not know exactly when relatively soon so lower supply higher demand indicates that at some point in the very near future we'll have a balance in the market
0: What about decline rates and Mother nature's natural process?
1: Yeah normally every time we take a hydrocarbon molecule out of a reservoir the reservoir becomes less willing to give away the next one because lower, pro- lower pressure and how that is impacted by the investment cuts that we've seen over the last years is very uncertain but we have to invest quite a bit in order to avoid declines normally we think that supply is reduced by 3 to 6% per year globally as an average.
0: There's been a lot of focus on the stock volume reports, and the analysts are particularly interested in that. Uh, and we have seen quite some high, or historic high, uh, volumes lately put in storage. What could we expect uh, from the storages going forward?
1: Well, if we see a, a rebalancing, we should expect the stock levels to come down when demand starts to exceed supply. Uh, the reason why there is a lot of interest in those figures is that the stock levels are at the moment very, very high, and that contributes to keeping the price or lo- prices lower than they otherwise would have been, uh, given the level of geopolitical uncertainty that we have, given the low level of spare production capacity, normally the price should have been higher. But since we have so much oil in storage, the market keeps the price down.
0: As the CFO, I have to be prepared for the unexpected and even the more unlikely scenarios. Um, so. Uh, although we expect an increase in the prices, we prepare for being robust at lower prices for for longer. Uh, we have seen a very good progress on the improvement program, which has put us in a strong position, and we have got a lot of recognition for that. But we are not stopping here, of course. And uh, what could actually put us in a low for longer scenario, Eric?
1: Well, in, in addition to the uncertainty on the demand development, uh, I would point to two key factors. Uh, the most important is is the perceived and potentially real flexibility of the U.S. shale oil production. When prices come up, uh, some people think that the U.S. shale oil production will be able to increase relatively rapidly. And that will contribute to keeping the price lower for longer, if that happens. But we don't know. The second one is uh, if o- the OPEC deal turns out not to be good enough so that they cheat on the quotas or they produce more than they have agreed, then you'll have more supply into the market than otherwise. And that will also keep prices lower and, and send them down if that happens. Those are the two key uncertainties here.
0: So the lack of discipline in OPEC and, and even the countries outside OPEC that agreed to do some cuts. But um, maybe you had some positive news uh, already from Russia cutting 100,000 barrels. Is that a good start or do you see that there, the, the deal and the agreement is at great risk?
1: No, we, th- we think that the deal will have a significant impact. Uh, there are some countries here that are not part of the deal and will be allowed to increase their production. And if that happens, then that will modify it a bit. Libya is on its way up, as an example. Uh, the, the news from Russia could indicate that they really that they might have more problems keeping production at current levels than they have been willing to, to admit. And that's one of the reasons why it comes down. That has a good impact on the prices and all, therefore also on the Russian revenues from these, from these productions. So, it's, so, there's a lot of political gaming here around these uh, agreements as well.
0: It's not only about oil for Statoil. Gas is also important, and Europe is our most important market. What is your view on the situation here?
1: Well, Europe imports a lot of gas, much more than it produces, uh, and it will continue, continue to do that. Uh, Norwegian gas, existing Norwegian gas, is uh, fantastically well placed. Uh, we are competitive. We have the lowest transportation costs. We're close to the market and the world's most efficient pipeline system. So we should be in a very good competitive position. We will be able to deliver all the gas we can produce to Europe. Uh, even in a future going forward where demand is gradually flattening out or even going down, indigenous supply will fall much faster. So the, the import demand in Europe will continue to increase. And therefore there should be, should be more room for Norwegian gas if we're allowed to look for it, if we find it and if we can produce
0: it. And gas replacing coal?
1: Yeah, that's that's one part of it uh, in some markets in europe we see positive signs in that direction gas will continue to be important in the heating sector in the building sector in the manufacture as a manufacturing feedstock and hopefully also be part of the uh, part of the decarbonization of the of the power sector in europe
0: what about lng when i meet the analysts or the investors they ask a lot about the threat or america exports of lng to Europe. Do you see that as a big threat? And there's a lot of new capacity uh, coming in in the coming years from the LNG business.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, Norwegian gas is competing al- against a lot of different sources of gas Russian gas, North African gas, and then global LNG. Uh, we see that the, Amer- uh, the American gas revolution, the shale gas revolution, now leads them to start exporting gas uh, to Asia and to Europe. Uh, even though it's probably not going to be huge volumes, it will have an impact on how that market operates. The 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 LNG market becomes more global, uh, and you will have a price a price impact from the North American gas market into the global markets. But it's important to remember that it's quite costly to send new gas in the form of lng from the united states to either europe or asia because you first i mean first you have to build an lg factory factory if you have it you have to have tolling transportation transportation and then when it comes to europe or asia you have to 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 warm it up regas it and make it into a a, a normal gas so so the american gas prices are much lower than what will what will be the delivered price of american gas into europe and asia so in that sense it's it's not that worrisome, and it's interesting for a company like Startup to be able to participate in a global energy market like that as well.
0: So it's fair to say that short term there are some pressure points, our starting point com- uh, uh, competitively is strong, and long term we have a, a bullish view on, on gas, uh, driven by demand and and the role of gas in 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 the in the climate agenda. But um, there is a lot of political uncertainty, uh, Erik, and we have seen a changing political landscape both in the US and in the UK, and at the same time we see in Asia it's becoming more and more important for the world economic growth. Um, our risk profile compared to peers is quite favorable. The 80, 85% uh, our output comes from most the most stable countries in the industry, like Norway and the US, but how is this changing political environment impacting our industry and the market? Well, I, I think
1: that the, the risk picture is becoming more complex. And it's it's where we thought it could have, could be like you have one part of the world where the risk is low. And then you have another part of the world where the risk is high. What we see is that uh, there's a lot of country-specific risks. And, and in some parts of the world, there are some factors that are more important than in the others. And we see some political uncertainty increasing now also in the traditionally... Um, unrisky, low risk OECD countries in terms of the threats of protectionism, the impact of Brexit, uh, the, the the questioning the license to operate uh, in different countries, uh, so that the picture becomes more complex. And then, then it's more important to look at what are the risks where we could mitigate them and get them down, reduce the risk, and continue to operate. And, and where are the risks? And, and on a portfolio view, how do you want to put together your portfolio? And that picture is. Is at least moderately modi- being modified at the moment.
0: I agree and I think it's important to make uh, a clear statement that uh, a company live by handling uh, effectively the, the, the risks. We live by taking controlled risk and, and handling it. Yeah. But um, the demand side, Erik, uh, is impacted by the growth rate in the world economy and what are your expectations uh, for world economic growth, short to, to medium term?
1: Well, short to medium term, uh, term we think uh, we think the global economy will continue to grow moderately, uh, slightly less this year than than last year, but but uh, but overall continue to grow. Uh, less difference now between the emerging economies, which are growing faster, and and, uh, and the OECD industrial economies that are that are growing slightly less. That, that difference is coming down. But, uh, but that leaves room for energy demand to continue to grow moderately. And as a part of that, both oil and gas demand will also continue to grow moderately over the next years.
0: Another topic which you have spent quite some time on investigating and looking uh, through carefully is the changes in the energy mix moving towards a low carbon future. So there's no doubt that global energy markets are in transition. And we have to reduce our emissions, And at the same time, a growing population needs access to to energy. Um, This topic, of course, always creates good debate. And there are a lot of voices giving different views. Erik, could you help our listeners provide some facts and put this into perspective? Uh,
1: It's important to realize that that energy demand and energy mix generally change very slowly. And energy demand continues to grow it's like a big ship moving forward and in order to become to have a more sustainable uh, development in terms of the climate issue it's absolutely important that we become much more energy efficient that means that energy demand either hardly grows or not at all even if the economy grows and at the same time we have to speed up the change in the energy mix rapidly much more significant change in the energy mix than what we have seen historically.
0: What could be the step change in this speeding up?
1: Well, it's not words and it's not politicians putting targets in place. What works is technology, it's the prices, it's policy, it's measures that actually drive the development in in the right direction and it's costs. Unfortunately, we see some signals that that could happen. And that's what we look into in, in our Energy Perspectives uh, publication, which provides some indications of what could take place. IEA's World Energy Outlook does as well.
0: Talking about the Energy Perspectives, that is a flagship report that we've been publishing for five years in a row. What are the most important uh, conclusions uh, from that report?
1: I think the most important conclusion overall is that even if the world was to arrive at a two degree target, to achieve the two-degree target in terms of CO2 reductions from the energy industry, Uh, oil and gas demand will be much, much higher than what can potentially be delivered from existing reserves. And that gap needs to be closed by significant investments, the size of which is equal to three to six new Saudi Arabias in oil, 20 to 25 new Norways in terms of gas.
0: Significant numbers.
1: Significant numbers. I mean, 20 times the current Norwegian production is a lot of gas. and uh, and in addition we have to produce 17 times more electricity from new renewable sources like uh, wind and solar so there's a lot of investment needs uh, even in such a world
0: and cold is key because we must reduce coal demand significantly and renewable energy is going to grow but we take part in this transition and what is the most important contribution you think from start going forward
1: i I think the most important contribution is to be able to combine Uh, gas and renewable electricity in particular Uh, to continue to produce as much oil as carbon efficiently as possible but if we are able to combine gas and renewable electricity in manners that are new uh, where we have a stable electricity supply throughout the day throughout the year uh, in new ways then then we make a significant contribution to a sustainable development
0: so thank you eric before we round off i'd just like to remind you all of our capital markets update in February. And encourage you all to tune in to my next episode, where I will follow up on some of the topics addressed there. So, great. Thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you for coming to my studio. And thanks for inviting me.